What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Joe, we are back with another episode of White People Problems, and we have our second guest, uh, but not their first presence on this podcast because they wrote and composed our our music. So Matt, also known as Team Goldie DiStefano, is here. How are you doing, Matt? I am doing very well. I, I do want to explain the idea behind the theme music while I'm yes, here, too. Yes, please. Because as I was watching the episode that we're going to talk about today here in a minute, I realized that the idea of the theme music hasn't even happened in the show yet. So we'll get to a point where the kids actually go to school, which I got about 40 minutes into this episode where I realized that they were seven episodes in and... They're not in school yet. I, I was like, why are they going to Tijuana? I kind of forget. It's like, oh, yeah, it's the last big trip before the <laughs> school year starts. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The idea behind the theme music was to do like a jangly indie rock song that is played over the post credits when they're in school. So like the scenes when they're like walking up to the school right after you finish listening to uh, the end of Phantom Planets, California, and it's the quick cuts of different students carrying their books and stuff <laughs> once you get to that part of the show once they're actually getting an education lay that theme music over top of it and see see how you feel i i think i nailed it <laughs> joe you're the expert here no he you really did you uh, <laughs> and it's so funny because like you I, I was thinking like it's it's giving like end credits because like it, i'm watching on hbo and so like you know i don't have um autoplay set up so it's like i did get the full credits and that's kind of the like you know the little it's it's giving that like vibe of it where it's just like it's very kind of a slow build up and then it ends <laughs> but yeah but when you said that about like the school, because the next episode is one of my favorites of this season, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of just like you know, guys with like you know two foot long cal- like like 
two inches past the knee, cargo shorts, shirtless, throwing a football. Like that's it's giving that kind of vibe. So I yeah, you you hit it. You hit it out of the park with this one. Thank you so much. And I know we're going to talk more about music in this episode after we actually talk about the episode. But I am really excited to talk about the end credits and all of the other score music in this. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. This episode has so many twists and turns. This this is probably of the seven episodes that I've watched, the one that was the most unpredictable for what was going to happen. It's a lot happening. (laughs) You thought it was unpredictable? I just was like... I either thought whenever I thought things were going to get way worse, they were tame. And then when I thought that there was just going to be a little bit of drama, mm-hmm. it like went off the fucking charts with how dramatic everything shifted. Like my I so I found out recently on the Internet that this is like a common fear for people. But I get like serious anxiety watching TV shows and movies where people are driving because I'm just like, oh, no, they're going to get in an accident is like constantly in my head so like (laughs) when they're fighting over this steering wheel in the car i'm like oh no oh no (laughs) like i'm like really expecting the worst and then they just kind of like go off road a little bit but like no real damage i'm like oh okay but then when marissa got the (laughs) the call that her dad was getting divorced and luke was cheating on her um trying to kill herself through pills and alcohol combo was not on my bingo card so it was like when i thought the worst something kind of mild happened when i thought oh this will definitely ruin the trip i didn't think it was going to ruin the trip on such a uh, an extreme level as it did i want to know how you feel about the show so far <laughs> seven episodes <laughs> in <laughs> having never watched it before so i am we've talked about this before matt joe may not know this is maybe my favorite show of all time. I'm in the middle of a fifth rewatch with my wife, who has never seen it before. We're in the middle of season three. And you've never seen it. You don't have the same experience that I probably had as a college student in 2003 watching this for the first time. <laughs> so I'm curious how you feel seven episodes in. Okay, so seven episodes in, the thoughts that I've had is... That I I genuinely, we so we record everything in two episode blocks. So case in point, Joe and I are going to record episode seven and episode eight today. I do get bummed when I finish that second episode and I have to take a pause sometimes for a week or two weeks until our next recording session. Like that does bum me out. So I'm invested enough in the characters. It stresses me out. Uh, not so much this episode, <laughs> but the next episode that we watched, I feel like I was having an anxiety attack while watching because I was just so stressed by the situation. And right now, my current thought process is, this is fun. I don't think I'll ever revisit this. But I also thought that about Gilmore Girls, and I've revisited that like three or four times. Like, There's like a ton of shows that when I was watching it, I was like... This is fun. I'm never going to rewatch this. And now they're like constant rotation background noise shows for me. So I'm open to the idea that like this will be something I revisit. Uh, But right now it's not. And part of it is just because it stresses me out. I've realized that like I am so much more of a like give me a 22 minute sitcom that has like no stress and no problems in it over like an hour long drama where everything is is like cranked up to the the highest degree but like i do i do feel the i like the vibe like i feel 
when it's not like a million and one dramatic things happening and it's just like anytime it's just like Seth and Ryan shooting the shit or like Sandy Cohen doing his like work stuff like the stuff that's a little bit more like feel good and chill I am in such a nice happy comfortable place and I want to stay there and then like someone's overdosing or someone's getting into a fist fight or like there's always just like a stressful thing around the corner. But I'm curious if like once I know the whole scope of everything and I know the characters and I know like maybe one day I'll actually like Julie Cooper. Who knows? Like it will make it easier to revisit these episodes where I'm just like, I fucking hate this person so much right now. I think that's the thing with this show in general is nearly every character with a a few exceptions nearly every character is likable at some point in the series (laughs) which is why i like the show so much i love all the characters even the ones that you don't like quite as much there's a couple characters that that you'll get to um some in the near future some far down the line that uh are completely unredeemable and you'll be happy to to see them no longer in the series but that's the thing. Everyone is so likable. It's it's a feel-good show at points. It's genuinely funny. I'm starting to warm up to summer. But yeah, sorry. I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it so far. I didn't yeah, want to take so us... I took us too far off the rails. We can actually no, talk no, about no, no, the no, no. episode I, at I'm, hand, but I am glad to hear you're enjoying it. I'm glad that listeners are getting uh, the occasional recap on, like, here's where I stand so far. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't. I'm not miserable watching it. If I was like really hating this, I'd be like, Joe, I don't know if we should continue this for 92 more yeah, episodes you would, or whatever it is. Yeah, you would be really <laughs> upfront about that because this, you know, there's what is it, 98, 92 episodes, 98 something like <laughs> yeah. that. Um, I so hold on, Matt, you're gonna have to take your headphones off for this. You, it's gonna be spoiled, but like, I need to know. He did take his headphones off. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Who are the characters that are that you like are irredeemable? I need to Oliver. Yes. <laughs> Who's coming up soon. Yes. And then uh, Volchuk. Oh, okay, good. Okay, we're on the same page then. Because <laughs> yeah, I was like... I don't... There's so many characters that I've forgotten existed. Even though I've watched this show three or four times prior, this most recent rewatch, there's characters that I forgot existed. Matt is twiddling, twiddling his thumbs for the, those listeners with his headphones off. Uh, but those are the two, at least so far, that are completely unlikable characters to me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right, Matt, we're good. Welcome back, right, I'm back. to your own podcast. <laughs> Sorry. I oh, think I, this I, is my favorite thing of doing this show is every time that we have a guest that's like a longtime fan, there's at least two minutes where I have to take off my headphones apparently. Because I want to know. <laughs> you, that's the other thing. Like you're getting it. You have the... You have the pleasure, like the you have the pleasure of like seeing everything for the first time, but like I also have just like you know Matt D. I like I have the pleasure of being. We know episodically like the the huge arcs of of the characters that we're getting and how like things that are happening now are not how they're going to react later and all of the various ways like you posted when you posted Matt uh, Kelly about our show on like around Christmas coming out and the premiere episode coming out. There were people who were like commenting that were like spoiling things. And I'm like, don't stop, stop, stop. <laughs> I may have actually had a really big thing spoiled for me, but I'm not going to say because maybe I was wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm going to try okay. to erase. I'm going to try to like men in black erase it out of my brain before it happens. <laughs> um, but uh, so I want to start with one big complaint to my boy Seth Cohen, right? 
Seth Cohen underselling how great San Diego Comic-Con I will not stand for. <laughs> this podcast legitimately would not exist had San Diego Comic-Con not been a thing. <laughs> and I will I will fight for that. So uh, wait, is this... <laughs> Let's let's backtrack. What time of year is San Diego Comic Con? Like the oh, it is way too late for it to be San Diego Comic Con side note because it's like mid July. This is just this is just (laughs) like like a general Comic Con that they're going to in okay. You know, different story if it's general Comic Con. If he's talking about SDCC, that's where Joe and I first interacted. I think (laughs) that I think that for uh, there's like there's some like. SoCal isms that I that I really love because like there are they, these are things that are actually that hold true even still to today till today. So I feel like and especially at that time, Southern like SDCC was a completely different thing. Like it, it felt different than what it is now, right? Like um, 2007. Yeah, I guess this is a pre. This is a pre like MCU. Exactly. It's Comic Con that exactly. we're talking about. It's, yeah, it's pre MCU. Like the the kind of watershed moment of uh, that most people who like most people who have been at least of my age, like when when I was in high school, was the year before Transformers came out. Two thousand seven, like the uh, the first Michael Bay Transformers. The year before that came out, when it was being advertised, like there was a like full, like they had a semi on the exhibit hall that was like a full like you know like an Optimus Prime semi that had like the uh, um, Autobots um, like logo on the front, and that was a way to like get people hyped up for the for the movie before the panel. And so, but that ends up being like the watershed moment where from there it it like goes and escalates into this huge what it is kind of now like it's all the ramp up into what it is now so like i think they're correct and kind of i think they're trying to say that it is san diego comic-con because it has been a thing for so long but it's not like what it is now like if if they were to do if they were to do it because i snuck you in before so you could see the setup and the setup the day before san diego comic-con is chaos like more moving things happening all at once as like five what would you say like almost five (laughs) thousand tables worth of people are setting up simultaneously it's chaos the fact that (laughs) like it's literally that was like on the tuesday before the first like real like the first the preview day of yeah like 24 hours before people like regular people enter the floor the fact that that all the way it looked it looked nothing like like there was still like things being built. Like there was nothing was done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it was, it's if you've ever seen the videos of like Disney setting up Christmas in a night, like that's basically what it's like inside of San Diego Comic-Con the day before. Yeah. Cause you're not allowed to check in more than 24 hours before the show floor opens. So you've just got thousands of people running around building their individual setups all at once and then like geekscape's just like all right we threw up a banner we got our table all right we're gonna go get lunch (laughs) but like you get to watch this whole world getting assembled all simultaneously at once it's it's chaos all right but anyway i just wanted to vent about that a little bit and to point out that the show wouldn't exist if joe and i didn't meet at san diego comic con (laughs) i also (laughs) love the you can tell the difference of the characters 
in the OC where Seth is lying about going to Comic-Con so that he can go to Tijuana, where Marissa, on the other hand, is correcting her father who thinks she's going to Palm Springs. And she's like, no, dad, we're going to Tijuana. You need to get it correct. <laughs> yeah. This is very true. Which I uh, loved. I, I completely forgot that that happened. And she's like, no, we're going. I'm like, oh, my God, the privilege. That's, that's the other thing. It's like because he grew. He's also an OC kid. Like he grew up. He grew up in this world as well. So he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, go for it. Whatever. Have that's fun. what you do. Yeah, that's what you do. You go to TJ, which, by the way, yeah, does anyone I know? Is hate... that like a thing? Do they call it? No, TJ? That's, yeah. a, that's a SoCalism. <laughs> that I hate it so much. I I absolutely hate that they just call it TJ. I don't know why it bothered me so well, much. Because it, it comes does. out of it comes out of Summer's mouth, which is just like it's very. <laughs> Summer does that thing that I hate that people do where they give you nicknames against your will, like without your consent. Like she just starts calling him Cohen. She calls her Coop. Like she, she, in order for her to be take, in order for her to, uh, to kind of put them in a box in their head, like she, you know, she has to name them something. So like when she says TJ, it's like, oh God, I rolly, I hate it. But, but that kind of is a SoCalism. Like, most at least you know we is like oh we're going to tj for the weekend or whatever as someone who's been living here since about the time that since maybe like season two of uh of uh the oc i've actually never been to mexico i've never been to tijuana you've never been to a uh, good old tj never been to good I, old i'd TJ. also like to think that you mark everything in your life by when the yeah. where in the series the oc was it's like well you know, I, I've lived here since season two of the OC, and you know, I graduated college yeah. two years after the series ended, and just using that as your only time marker. Oh, it's that's kind of how my brain works with other TV shows. I'm like, yeah, this, you know, it's like, yeah, we moved here around like the series finale of Friends, and <laughs> love that. No, I, I mean, I have definitely done that before, where like my friend will be like, oh, we moved into this house let's say this year and I'm like no you didn't because we were at your old house when we watched the how I met your mother finale together and that was like in this year the only thing I wanted to mention still on that front of Seth and Ryan trying to uh make their plans is that there is a, a pretty good Seth line he's saying you know we got to go to Mexico they say that what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico and then Ryan asks well but what happens in Mexico and he goes I don't know because it stays there just great Top. No I love the way that Seth's dialogue is written, and we're going to get into some top-notch Seth sass very, very soon. Lots of it. That's their little subplot. They're saying that they're going to Comic-Con, but they're actually going to TJ. I still have some sick in my mouth at the fact that Marissa and Luke have had sex, but... Uh, Luke is just Arzak's still having sex. By the way, like it's yeah, not, it wasn't yes. just like a one and done thing. Like they are act like we see them in the beginning of this episode, like actively doing it. I'm like, Ugh, yeah, no, yeah. But then Luke is such. I mean, shocker, Luke is a douche, but like Luke is such a dick that Marissa's like, I don't know if I want to go party in Tijuana because my dad's going through a bad time and he like storms away. Like, I'm like, God, he is just such a fucking piece of shit. Well, you, you also forget because all of the characters, with the exception of Marissa, look like they're 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. And he's playing a 17 year old, which that's exactly how a 17 year old would react in that situation. For sure. Sure, for sure. Um, and then just I a just horny wrote, water polo player upset yeah. that his girlfriend doesn't want to bone. 
I also wrote, uh, Holly is impressively scummy. She's perfect for Luke. (laughs) 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 But like she is like this whole episode. I'm just like, God, Holly sucks. Luke sucks. Like everybody sucks. Um, I also love scummy. All right. That's that's the title of another podcast for you right there. (laughs) I also love that there's like contradictions in my notes because I just write them in real time as I'm watching. So the one says Jimmy Cooper is still pretty likable to me despite everything that's happening around him. But then later in the notes, it says, well, fuck you, Jimmy. How dare you kiss Sandy Cohen's wife? Jimmy um, Coop is a roller coaster ride. We mentioned <laughs> characters become likable, char- characters become less likable. Jimmy Cooper is up and down through his <laughs> entire tenure on this show. I want to like Jimmy, and then he'll do things that make me dislike him. And similarly, this is kind of a this has happened in the past, and it definitely happens in next week's episode. A character like Luke is a character that I want to hate. And then he occasionally does something good and likable. And I'm like, fuck, like, yeah. I just want to dislike you, um, which is cool about the show. I I think I said this even in like our first or second episode, like so many of these char- characters live in a very gray box of like, they're not fully evil. They're not fully good. They are like always capable of doing the wrong thing, but also fully capable of doing the right thing um, randomly. And I, I think that that's cool writing. I, I do like that i'm forgetting though how summer ends up writing with ryan and seth how does she end up on this road trip i think she was going to be going down with marissa Mm -hmm. the day after because they had to luke and the polo team had to take the freshman to watch the donkey show the night before they had to get now marissa's not going so she doesn't (laughs) gotcha okay I was like, right. how did she end up in that car? I Okay, so she's... So there was she, some logic to it. Gotcha. She convinces Marissa to go. Jimmy's like, you should go. You should honestly go. Go have a fun time. Yeah, um, go to Tijuana. So I can <laughs> well, I try to keep my life together here. And I'm falling apart. Get away from me. Well, like, while I try to... like. What what is it was it was Kirsten Wright who who told him like don't just like leave <laughs> like yeah just like leave in the middle of the night which I, was clearly his exact plan <laughs> like, I know Jimmy was Jimmy's kind of shitty in this episode <laughs> yeah well she says don't leave in the middle of the night and he's like good idea I'll call her in the middle of the night while she's on a road trip and break the news to her this yeah. way <laughs> yeah there's. He definitely misread the that piece of advice. Uh, it was a real glass onion type situation. <laughs> Just took the took the advice the worst possible way. Summer and Seth are driving down. They're heading to TJ, and dear God, the bickering between the two of them is so likable and fun to me. But Joe, because Matt has only heard the first episode at the time that we're recording this, I have complained for six straight episodes that I'm sick of Seth not standing up for himself <laughs> with Summer. And when she refers to Death Cab for Cutie as just a single guitar and a lot of complaining, and he goes, well, I know something else has got a lot of complaining in this car. I was like, fuck yeah, Seth Cohen. That's what I'm talking about. Like, that made me so, so happy. <laughs> like, he's finally sticking up for himself, and that's when she starts to like him. Look at that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fully, I'm starting to fall. I'm, I'm getting the summer appeal. I'm, I'm getting it now slowly, slowly. slow burn. 
I I hate her in this episode the most. Like she's yeah. I, I'm just like wow. I'm I'm on the summer. I'm I'm on that po- that point in a rewatch. Matt D, you know this. Like that point in that rewatch where it's like I am. I hate this character right now. I'm gonna stick with it because I know that there are things that happen that will endear me to them later. But in this moment, like I don't know what happened in the writers' room. You know what I mean? Like they're like okay. <laughs> there's things that happen where it's like okay summer is now we need to like give her a little bit more um because rachel bilson can handle it but in this in this moment in this episode it's like quintessential spoiled little rich girl like well i'm not staying here like when they get to like when the when she's one a response completely and utterly responsible for (laughs) for which by the way like that drive from orange county to san diego like there's a huge stretch of road that like there's nothing there right like it's literally there is no place to stop like that like right when you get from like the end of orange county through oceanside to and like before you even get to oceanside like that's where the is military this episode, base is. Or is this a californian sketch from snl but, but, <laughs> yeah, so you go have the 101 and you know you take genesee and you could go like by the way, love the Californians because that whole thing with the cars is really is with the with the roads is really true. But there is a like stretch of highway where there's nothing there. If you got lost or stranded in that section, like you you would be fucked. So for her to like do that, like I was getting anxiety because I'm like, oh shit, they're gonna walk a long way to find anything on that stretch of road. Um, or pay a shit ton of money yes. to be towed to where there's civilization. They, they got a chicken truck. Did you miss yeah, that? Yeah, they hitchhiked on a chicken truck. <laughs> yeah, which they had feathers on themselves. Which, like, to be honest <laughs> with you, hilarious. they could have taken that chicken truck probably all the way to Mexico <laughs> because it was yeah. probably headed in that direction. So, so the chicken truck uh, <laughs> brought a memory into my head that I didn't expect it to bring into my head. Um, so I used to go when I was in high school. I'm so I would, curious what you're about to say. <laughs> get ready for this. Uh, so when I was in high school, I used to go to a lot of uh, Christian music festivals. Um, and the the one that I liked the most was this like punk and metal show called Purple Door. And it was like all of the tooth and nail bands played it. It was just up in Harrisburg, PA. So it was maybe like a two, three hour drive from where I live. Um, depending on traffic and we were trying to go there we had a group of friends in two separate cars and we're driving there and my friend andrew is in the front seat and he just wanted to see this band the huntingtons play at 10 a.m and that's all he would talk about he's like all right we're running a little behind but we should get there in time to see the huntingtons um and all of a sudden there's this light that starts blinking on the (laughs) on the dashboard of the guy dan's van and he's like, what's up with that light? He goes, I don't know. I just took it in to get service the other day. And they said everything was fine. So we keep driving. And all of a sudden, the other car comes flying up beside us. And they're all pointing for us to like get off the road. So we pull to the side. And apparently, there was an oil leak. And the engine was hot. So as it was hitting the oil, it was causing the oil to catch fire. And we were just dropping balls of flame on Whoa. the road. So we park the van, and there's just a tiny flame building directly underneath the engine. So Andrews yells, like, everybody needs to run. And all of a sudden, a guy in a pickup truck filled with chicken coops <laughs> pulls off to the side of the road, jumps out, and this is like an 80-year-old shirtless man in, like, hot pants, and just pulls a fire extinguisher out from underneath his seat and puts out the fire for us. And... uh 
we looked at Andrew and told him that he wasn't going to make it to the Huntington's in time. And then we had to spend about two hours hanging out in a field waiting for someone to come and pick us up and drive us back home because the van was like not safe to drive at that point. But yeah, people with chicken coops stopping all the time if they see some trouble on the side of the road is what the lesson is. It's wow. a good stereotype about people with chicken coops. That was a journey. Thank you, Matt, yeah. for that. If you're worried about your car troubles and you see a car with some chicken coops in the back, you better follow close beside. Yeah. Be like, all right, I'm I'm in good hands. Uh, I I agree with you that Summer is very unlikable in this episode. I think more so I'm liking the idea of what a Seth Cohen and Summer relationship could be mm-hmm. because I'm finally seeing like where they do make sense, where I did not see how they made sense for multiple episodes. But like the scene with them at breakfast where they're like perfectly in sync with each other mm-hmm. is so charming and sweet. And that's where we get the line that um Aaron Mallory Long mentioned is one of her most quoted lines uh, from any episode of the OC, which is, I suffer from rage blackouts. Uh, so... So here we are, uh, seeing that that relationship blossom, seeing the love between these two characters uh, take place. Uh, Summer's I, also a it. good friend in this episode too. She like, is. as the episode progresses, like she has Coop's back. Speaking of rage blackouts, that there's a callback to that later mm-hmm. when we get to the bar boom booms. Is that what yeah. it's called? Mm-hmm. Um, in in TJ, as it were. <laughs> but yeah, she's a she's a very good friend in this episode too. She shows you know some likability. That's her I, uh... one redeeming quality of this whole, <laughs> in, in the entire, I think in the entire series is that once you're kind of in with her, like you are really in and she will, you know, as uh, she will go to the mat for you. I don't, I don't think, I think that's the, the, one of her core things is that she is a very good friend and is very loyal. Yes. She's no, also I, a roller coaster ride of a character. <laughs> I'm excited, Matt, for you to see Summer's arc, which I think yeah. is she's probably the character that has a lot of the characters stay kind of relatively similar ups and downs throughout the series. But Summer, get ready. Yeah. And you're in season three, right, Matt? You're, you're watching it with right now with your wife. Yeah, we're in season three right now, which full disclosure, I think I told this to you before, Matt. Season three is the worst season You'll season three is the worst. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I I I see. There are things that are happening in season three where it's like you have to suffer through them, and then we could literally we should end this podcast at the end of season three. But you know, as a com- absolutely not. <laughs> I wanna- love season four. You love season four. Yes. You oh, are- so we know who's going to be on here a lot when we get to those Matt, last couple. Of I episodes. love season four. There are so many fun <laughs> episodes, and there's. I not to Matt you'll you'll figure out who characters are at some point but um there's a female character that's young that is primarily featured in season 4 oh, who's a really mm-hmm. fun character. Yeah. I love how they wrapped up the series. Uh big fan of season 4 after season 3. Season 3 is a little bit of a slog to get through after watching it, you know, once. Okay, well I can't wait to get to season 4 to have to be to be reminded of because there are there are a couple good ones there. Um, the the series finale is probably one of my favorite series finales ever. I think they do a really good job of just making it a complete thought. Yeah. Um, I right. <laughs> I am fascinated, legitimately fascinated by the way people talk about this show because because 
the way people talk about this show, you would think that it was a longer run with like way more episodes than it ultimately has. But like to be like, oh yeah, no, it got real bad in season three, but they fixed it in season four is like, it still ended on season four. Like it's like, oh, it yeah, seems, no, you know I mean, like it's one of those things where season three, there weren't many people hanging around like myself for season yeah, four. Like I just, cause I think about something like scrubs, which is my favorite show that ran like nine seasons. And I can tell you like the ebbs and flows of it, or even something like the Simpsons, which like I'm hearing from multiple people who stuck it out for the last 20 years of the Simpsons that like the last season of the Simpsons was like, genuinely good like oh my god like it'll never be you know season three through seasons nine but like whoever they have writing it now is great or the way people talk about snl where it's like it goes in these ebbs and flows they have great casts they have not so great casts they hit all these different beats but those are always shows that lasted like close to 10 seasons it's never like a three to four season show where you're like, well, it really lost its footing in season two, but they got it back just in time to end it in season three or whatever. You know what I mean? I think you can tell probably by what you've already seen so far and what you've seen in this episode. A lot of stuff happens in this show in a short period of time. There are so many things rewatching it again for, like I said, like the fourth time, there's so many things I don't remember that happen. There's characters. I don't remember There's story arcs. I I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a thing that there's so much packed in there that I feel like they burn through a lot and there's a lot that's good and there's a lot that's bad. Well, that's, so that's it feels like of, it was a longer show. I know that we've said this before on the show, but like from watching it from my perspective, like the Jimmy Cooper stuff, I think in any other show that would have been stretched out for episodes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Jimmy Cooper. Jimmy Cooper being found out as like this embezzler would have been like, I think we said like the mid season break episode. And in this show it's season three or four that it's, that it's out in the open. Like, yeah, we don't make so many plot details happen so quick. This is also (laughs) like, this is pre, this is pre conceptions of streaming, right? Like, like this show comes out and, we are just we're just starting to it's at the height of like DVD season long television DVD culture. So, you know, where you go to like you can go to like a Best Buy, like a Sam Goody and and get like full full series seasons, you know, um, when they're on sale or what have you. Or if you were rich, like when it comes out <laughs> the day it comes out. So you this is like but this is like a pre pre people and writers thinking about the bingeable quality of it and the like the on demand nature so like there are things that are very repetitive like you know to kind of bring it back to the episode when Ryan punches Luke in the bar it's like you how many times have you done like unprovoked or maybe in in my mind an unprovoked like violent <laughs> violent oh i i wrote down one of my notes was totally sweet a ryan and luke fight this hasn't happened yet oh (laughs) i i love that i audibly i was sitting i just watched this this morning it was sitting on the couch by myself and when he punched luke i went yeah to myself (laughs) no one no one else is home right now i just love ryan's character so much and when he stands up for other people it's so fun but yeah you're exactly right it's already happened before it doesn't make me love it any less there was there was a point where in three episodes they had had unprovoked fist fights four times (laughs) that's that's more than more fights than episodes at that point um i also wrote down the note oh what a shocker luke's an unloyal fuck boy uh which (laughs) like 
it's shock, it was not a shock to anybody, I don't think. Um, but yeah, but, to, to Joe's point, like when this show came out, you weren't binging shows. You weren't getting this whole season, these whole there's like 27 episodes in this first season. It's crazy. You yeah. weren't getting them all at once. You're watching them, you know, week by week. I think this episode, if I remember correctly, was right before the World Series. So there was like a two-week gap or a three-week gap between this episode and the following episode. So you had to like wait. And then you couldn't immediately go back and watch things. I remember Fox re-aired over the summer following this season. They re-aired the entire first season over the summer, which is how I watched it twice within the first year that it was out. I was like, yes, I love this show. There's no way... Maybe DVR existed, to your point, Joe. Maybe rich people had DVR. I definitely didn't. I was a poor college student and just graduated college at the time. I had absolutely no money to spare on DVDs or things like that. So I was like, yes, I will tune into Fox every week to watch the show again. Something else uh, that just sprung to mind, Joe mentioned like the DVD TV show bingeability culture that was definitely like starting to pop up towards the later half of the 2000s. Like, let's say like 2006, 2007 was when that was like really popping off. I I haven't done the research for this, but I feel pretty confident that post Family Guy getting its revival due to DVD seasons, I bet if you look into it, there are a lot of shows that got questionable second seasons based on them being like, well, let's see if this catches fire on the DVD release before we like fully end the show because there was such a history of like first season didn't do well, gets released on DVD, people start renting it or buying it, becoming obsessed with it, and then all of a sudden the second season's like quadruple the viewership. (laughs) Firefly. Yeah. (laughs) Firefly gets a whole like Firefly gets a cult following. Um and a movie. And a movie. (laughs) But like, like, you know, that's how I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I didn't have the fr- I didn't have uh, that season of Firefly on DVD, but I did see it on streaming. And and so, see, that's why we don't make TV like that anymore. Where there's it, where there's physical media and sales attached to it. Now it's all streaming and downloads. Because like, I'm I'm currently in a rewatch of Scandal. Um, this is probably like the second rewatch of Scandal that I've done in my life. And similar to you, I think it was Matt Kelly who said this. Like, similar is that like I don't understand why I'm watching this. It's not it's not something I thought I would ever rewatch, but like as I'm rewatching it I'm like, "Oh, that's right because there's actually these fun moments and the show itself is kind of campy and bonkers, but it's aware, you can tell that it's aware of the streaming na- the the nature of streaming because where the cuts would be to like commercial when it aired live are very seamless now because this is yeah. what takes place in like 12, 2012, 20, uh, 2013 is the first season. And so from there, it's now becoming aware like, okay, this is a show that people are going to stream and how do we make it for that? But at the same time, it's still like 20 episodes. You're getting like um, 22 episodes. So like the mid-season finale is very defined and there's a whole arc in the beginning. We really kind of we don't make shows like this anymore. Like we, or well, like that's they're they're not they don't last. I love if you're watching like a '90s like prime example is someone who just finished watching Friends, but like Friends or Fresh Prince of Bel Air or even to a certain extent The Simpsons or whatever. These shows in the '90s that were way before anybody had a bingeability or had mm-hmm. stuff on on physical media. There's this amazing 
thing that is now gone where the ad bumper ends with a line of dialogue and then after the ad they find a different way to repeat the same line of dialogue it's like in case you forgot where we were three yeah. minutes ago <laughs> we got a reset couldn't maintain the plot of the sitcom <laughs> for three minutes of commercials it's like you know it'll be some like dramatic reveal right like someone walks in it's like oh and this is my daughter and everyone's like your daughter and then like fade out go to commercial and then it fades back in and the character's like she's your daughter (laughs) love it oh it's so good bring that back why yeah (laughs) even in shows that don't have act breaks anymore in streaming culture (laughs) just throw them in there you know maybe a tv network will slot them in for a uh you know, marathon or something, they'll need to put in commercials. Put it in, put them in. I'm for it. The only two things that I have written down that I think we need to talk about before we get into like our two closing segments. There's only a little bit going on with Sandy Cohen here, but this plot line does bleed into next uh, next week's episode as well. Um, so he's being kind of poached to get a better job. And the only thing I don't get, and maybe this is just him and Kirsten's relationship and, uh, I, I just haven't caught on to it just yet. He's kind of a douche a little bit in this episode to Kirsten when the when the surfboard shows up where he's like, yeah, I'm not going to take that job. But he like acts like he's going to take that job for a little bit. And it's like, oh, come on. You just like being the breadwinner in this house. You're glad that you're not Julie Cooper, blah, 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 blah. And there's never like an I'm kidding. He just leaves the scene. And I was like, that seems real douchey out of like the only person that I've seen be completely likable and never have a flaw in Sandy Cohen but everyone's flawed in Orange County Matt you're going to learn this soon I'm starting to pick it trust me I don't like where (laughs) things are going with this Kirsten Jimmy Cooper stuff I don't want to spoil a note for next week but I definitely wrote down don't you dare give me some type of marriage drama with these two people (laughs) like I don't that's the thing though like I think what sets this show apart from other teen dramas, it, I'm like a huge Dawson's Creek fan too. Um, yeah. Also, nine hundred two one zero. In those shows, the char- the adult characters are like paper thin. They're very yeah. one dimensional for the most part. Like Dawson's dad on Dawson's Creek is just like, hey, a nice. He's a nice guy, and they they have trouble in their marriage, but it's not this whole like these developed characters that have long arcs that you know, exist episode over episode. 90210 even more so. Those, you know, the the parents on that show, there's there's not a whole lot to them. Where I think the OC, they really dive into the adult characters as much as the teen characters, and they have interesting storylines. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that really sticks out to me about uh, this show being at least a little unique in that genre of television. Yeah. Nice. And because this is what this is also around the time that we're getting like Gilmore Girls, right? So Gilmore Girls is around and the mom is definitely <laughs> her drama. It's just as big as like uh, I would Lorelei's say bigger. Drama. For the first three or four seasons, oh, Lorelai yeah. is more dramatic than Rory's. A lot of it's a lot of Lorelai. <laughs> this is around probably the time of what like Everwood, right? So which <laughs> I never a show I never watched, but like it was always I'm like, I think I kinda know what this is about. Um, There's a handful of those, like Seven Heaven. I could not tell you what the fuck Seven Heaven was about, but I know that I heard the theme song in the living room. My sister was watching it. <laughs> the dog's name was Happy, and yeah. I only know that because a friend called me that as a nickname and still calls me that. 
Also, like <laughs> One Tree Hill. That's another one of those shows. It's like I could not put a gun to my head. I couldn't tell you what that show is about, but I know that it had the Gavin DeGraw intro. But like, but that's the thing with One Tree Hill too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I only watched like one. I only watched one season of One Tree Hill, and my it's a it's one of my it's my sister's favorite shows. So like, I also I'm like adjacently familiar with it but again like there is the drama among the parents is just as rich and also kind of informs a, like doesn't really intersect but does inform some of the drama with the with the kids in high school too so that's where and i think it all starts like let's trace it back i think it all kind of starts with the oc because it's a it's like a P, peter gallagher has top billing peter gallagher is like we're giving him a lot to do because he is supposed to be the big draw of the series or at least right. how we're meant to be felt about the series he was the only name really mm-hmm. in when the series began this was yeah. the launching pad for a lot of people um i can i share really quick my introduction to this tv show i was in college at the time lived in a house full of guys for some reason we all got together and watched Dawson's Creek every week. That was a, a big bonding thing for us. We all really loved Dawson's Creek. So when Dawson's Creek came to an end, we're like, what are we going to do? Is <laughs> What are we going to fill this Wednesday night gap with? And then Fox was like, well, we have this. This It's not Wednesday, but it's Thursday. So I, I don't know if it'll fit. We saw the trailers prior to this and... Um, it must have been email at the time. Texts weren't huge. Maybe it was instant messenger. We were sending each other like, have you seen this? The the commercial for the OC? And it started prior to us going back to school. So we coordinated that everyone would start watching it so that we could pick all up together watching the OC. And it was our Thursday night ritual. We would watch the OC. One of my roommates named Biker uh, because he rode a bike. Very creative nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode at the beginning during the theme song, he would open our front door and yell, welcome to the OC bitch to the entire neighborhood. Uh, there was lots of beer cans thrown at the TV screen at different moments of the show. And yeah, after each episode, we would go out to the bars like you do, you know, on a Thursday you, night. You, so you made the OC a 4D experience, basically. Yeah, it was <laughs> OC was pre-gaming. And then we all just continued when we graduated watching it on our own. <laughs> But I just wanted to share that. This I is delightful. Feel, uh... Like I'm, I'm. I was gonna say this sounds like Josh. Joshua's like Sunday night, uh, like Sunday horror, bloody Sunday, Sunday bloody gathering. Sunday. The horror movie stuff. <laughs> like this is delightful because a, like just the the idea of like a bunch of I'm I presumably a bunch of straight men like yeah. sitting in it like sitting in the house that they share watching like nighttime primetime soap opera is yeah. is like really delightful. And then making it a whole thing is just like, ugh. Like, people see men are challenging, we're challenging gender roles, we're challenging conceptions. <laughs> you know, I remember we moved when we moved out, when we graduated and moved out of the house, three of us were there. I was, I mean, obviously play music and stuff. So I was playing a show. So the three of us stayed like a week later than everyone else, and we'd already moved everything out. So we were laying on the floor because we had no furniture. We got rid of all of our furniture and just there was a TV on the floor and three of us were sitting there watching. It may have been the season finale of the first season. It was something close to that. Oh, but yeah. Fond memories of watching this show with, uh, like you said, a bunch of a bunch of just straight dudes. Just I, loving. I, those those are the moments that make shows special to you, though, like. 
I know that How I Met Your Mother and Scrubs are not flawless sitcoms by any stretch of the imagination, but because I have such tight memories of like me and Shrop and Ed and like a bunch of the people that you know, Matt, from my sure. my circle of friends, like that was our ritual. It was like, oh, it's Thursday night. We're gonna go over Shrop's house. We're gonna watch Scrubs, and then we're gonna like play poker or, or do whatever. But it was like before we whatever our hangout was like, oh, it's eight o'clock. We gotta pause. And see what happens on this week's episode of Scrubs. Gathering together to watch the finales of those shows. And like, like I cried my eyes out watching the Scrubs finale. And I think that's why I don't like the How I Met Your Mother finale. Is that I felt no emotion watching it. And I'm like, <laughs> I dedicated so much time to a show that get left me just dry-eyed <laughs> watching so it. So you're like, saying you hope you cry once you get to the end of the OC. I think a good show viewing I think experience... You, might. you will. You, I, I probably Guaranteed. will. I cry easily. <laughs> that, that, to me, is like a successful tying up a show. I cried my eyes out watching like the Parks and Recreation finale because I'm like, that's one of the most perfect sitcom wrap-ups I've ever seen right up there with like something like The Good Place. Like, if you Have can you really cried during tie- the OC yet? No. Okay. I think you should keep a counter. Keep a running counter every time you get misty during the OC. There's I'm a curious if I even hit double digits on this because I don't like most <laughs> of these not. characters. Um, and the only other note that I wanted to bring up uh, was that I wrote, is making the absolute worst decision on how to deal with disappointment just the Marissa Cooper special? Correct. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Based on the last two episodes, I'm like, Ooh, you saw Ryan kissing another girl and you're not dating Ryan, so you better go fuck Luke right away or your dad's getting divorced and Luke is cheating on you. Let's take a shit ton of painkillers and get drunk in a bar and hope for the best. Like she is she is reckless in this show. Yeah, that is a character trait that will continue. <laughs> Does not stop. All right. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. 
Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Let's talk about some music. So there was, a, there was quite a few songs in this episode uh, to quickly run them down. Uh, when everyone's trying to make their plans for the summer, we're hearing Good Day by Loose. Uh, I'm not familiar with this band or the song. Uh, on the road trip, they're listening to Death Cab for Cuties, a movie script ending. Uh, when they get to the club, we're hearing Out of Control by the Chemical Brothers. Uh, when Marissa is just tripping out in an alley from a terrible combination of painkillers and alcohol, we're hearing a song called Going Under by the Rockers Hi-Fi. And I really want to talk about that one, but <laughs> we, we let, will let me know what else gets played. For sure. I... Uh, so I look at TuneFind to like write down the songs real quick. And when I saw Going Under, I was like, man, I hope this is some weird-ass Evanescence cover. Uh, it wasn't. Um, and then uh, as Ryan, like a superhero, lifts up Marissa from this alley, <laughs> we get Mazzy Stars into Dust. And I'm trying to remember, has this song already been used in the show or is it just a different Mazzy Star song that we've heard? It's used in episode one. Okay. When he when it's a callback because when he carries her from her driveway yeah. to the pool. Ah, uh, look at that. See, that's good. That's that's good symmetry. I knew it was a Mazzy Star song somewhere in here. Do you think that um when they were doing like the 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 chemistry test for the actors that they were like, okay, so now we're gonna get uh Ben. You need to pick up Misha. Uh, we need <laughs> to make sure that you can do that. Um, yeah. and, and what it looks like to to do that. Uh, because it's just it's also like hero shot iconic like it's it is an iconic image of the show and we're gonna see it a few more times uh like a lot more times actually in very specific places but probably not the last you've heard of mazzy star either (laughs) yeah the music on this show so like obviously the music the music is the character new york is a character in the movie Uh, whatever Um, fucking hate when people sound like uh, uh, (laughs) me too me too but the music is so intertwined with this show it becomes even more so in season two Mm -hmm. but this episode in particular has the mazzy star callback it has the first appearance of death cab which if you were to name one band that is most associated with the oc that would be the first one that i would name i I think this is their first appearance there will be many more i'm pretty sure that's accurate because i would have put them as a song of the episode for sure if they had shown up already it's the first mention of it and it won't be it definitely won't be the last but it's the first mention yeah and also so the we were talking about the end credits theme which is great by the way there's two different end credits themes there's the one that you've heard so far which is the sort of explosions in the sky ambient post-rock kind of vibe which is great there's also a weird kind of surfy one that'll pop up at some point down the line very jarringly and then it switches (laughs) kind of back and forth between the two but the composer who did the score i had to look up the name uh chris ting i think the score on this show is amazing like all of the music kind of throughout you get in this episode when they're on the fold-out couch, you get, like, the Ryan and Marissa theme, the kind of piano theme that's recurring for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you just get all of these really cool moments throughout the whole series. 
this uh, Chris Tang also did the music from Futurama, which I didn't realize when I was looking oh, cool. this up. But really cool music. There's a, a YouTube video that's like an hour and a half long that is all of just the music score from the first season of the OC. But let's talk about what was the name of that song? Rock, Going Under by Rockers Hi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> As I was listening to this song, I'd never paid attention to the lyrics before, but I knew we were going to be talking about the music. <laughs> so I start listening to the lyrics. So I'm just going to read you the lyrics of this song while Marissa is in her pill-induced haze and is making her way to the alley. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Stefano reads lyrics. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> I'll happily come back and do this anytime. Um, but the lyrics of this song were, Now you got me walking on the sidewalk, talking, moving, looking, stopping, farting like a dog, barking, which... I thought that's what I heard, and I had to go on to Genius to see what the lyrics were. And it turns out, yeah, farting like a dog was the lyrical vibe that we wanted as part of this very heavy scene in the OC, which kind of blew my mind. I also, this is this is nitpicky as hell, but man, that song doesn't sound anything like what I would expect from a band called Rockers Hi-Fi to be producing. It's sure. like... It's like a droney, like, I don't know. When I hear Rockers Hi-Fi, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like some crazy rockabilly band or something. But it was it was very droney and, and indie. And I mean, I guess the sound of the OC is droney and indie. But but uh, yeah, it caught me off guard based on the name. Um, are we ready to pick what our different songs of the episode were, though? Nearly impossible, but let's. <laughs> I'll go last. Okay, I'll go first because my, my um, it, it's a toss up between the Rockers Hi-Fi tune and the Mazzy Star tune. Um, I I'm going with the Rockers Hi-Fi though, and the reason why really? I'm, the reason why I like it it sticks out for me in the episode is it's it's it it, it doesn't fit right. Like it's very much it serves the purpose to like show the drug-induced haze like there's a bar in tj called las pulgas which means the fleas it means the fleas in spanish it's got like a dirt floor um that's kind of what she like stranded in that bar is all like the people are looking at her and but like the thing about it is i'm like i'm listening to some i'm like the music's the music supervisor the music supervisor for this is like you know what we really need to kind of uh to like signal a potential overdose on pain on on pain meds is like this house neo soul <laughs> type inspired and i'm just and i'm like i'm kind of like i kind of love it like that's it fits it, it really fits but at the same time it's just like it's got that it's got that druggy vibe without it going immediately to being like, cause at that time it could have been like a go situation with like raver music or whatever. So they signaled that with house with a house feel, but it's also like very Neo soul and just, it, it's kind of beautiful how it all fits there together. So do you mean to read the lyrics again? <laughs> <laughs> See, cause I was like focused on the farting in- like a dog farting <laughs> like, oh, God, it's just like, it's like that. Um, um, Listen, we get on saying we can pick on farting like a dog a lot, but I know that you and I are both fans of the alkaline trio. Whose most famous song starts with shitting like a dog or shaking, shaking. like a dog, shitting razor blades. So like, well, don't it- love that lyric either. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I, 
I was just like, see, I didn't even catch that. But again, like it's that thing where like the band Sylvan Esso was on uh was on a uh, Jimmy Fallon and one of their lyrics, which they did not bleep out, was Don't you look good sucking American dick? And <laughs> And, and so, like, I didn't pick that up, but, like, the fact that we're able to just, like, okay, we're just going to get away with it. We're just going to, like, you know, it shows that they were going for a feel and a mood more than they were, like, lyrically, which is, like, what the... Oh, yeah. Which is what the Mazzy Star song does. It's like, okay, you're actually meant to kind of be a little bit... Uh, ruminate a little bit more on it. But I, I chose... I chose the druggy sequence just because, like, yeah, it really fits what they're trying to do in a way that they could have gone so many different directions, especially with music at the time. And I like how they pick that. Um, I think it is a little, <laughs> I think it's a little interesting that for, of all the music that we've heard kind of so far, it's the one with the most soul. And I mean that in like a racial way. <laughs> Uh, to kind of signal like the druggy aspect of it but at the same time like I feel like if you did that now it would be something that would be it would be kind of like a bad bunny song or something like that that you you know like you would you could actually do something by like a latin artist especially because it's in mexico it's taking place in mexico but it fits so perfectly with what they're trying to do and just like you know Misha Barton like selling it <laughs> just, yeah like, uh, <laughs> I don't know yeah yeah uh, Uh. (laughs) i i want to point out that mathematically if there's about 27 episodes in this season and it was across i'm assuming it was across four discs when it came out on dvd that the math translates over there to to this episode uh being the last episode on disc one which means you start it with an episode that ended with mazzy star and end it with an episode that ends with the same mazzy star i hope that they did that just because I love symmetry. Um, but my song of the episode is, of course, I don't know much about the OC, but one thing I did know about the OC was, boy, did they love Death Cab for Cutie. So who was I to not make the first appearance of Death Cab for Cutie the song of the episode? Um, and also, for a band that does have some really drony, slow songs, they picked the perfect road trip song for a Death Cab song to put in, in there, because it is a little bit more upbeat of a song with uh, a movie script ending. Um, so I'm, I'm for it. I like it. Uh, I, I hope for, for many more of, of these. I mean, we have yet since season one to have something where I yelled, Oh yes, it is 2003. Like uh, all American rejects sing, swing, swing, <laughs> blasting out of the van in episode one. So I'm waiting for more of that. Uh, in the very near future. <laughs> You'll you will get that. And I also agree I think I have to go with Death Cab just because of their significance. Not definitely not my favorite Death Cab song. And I disagree. I would not put this on on a road trip unless I also <laughs> wanted to fly off the road because I fell asleep <laughs> at the wheel. <laughs> but I think it's very I mean, it's cool. no Soul Meets Body. I feel like Soul Meets Body has a good road trip vibe to it as oh, well. Oh, yeah. But... There's definitely much more upbeat stuff. But this is also, at the time, really early Death Cab. Like, Death Cab had not broken on a big level yet. This is before Transatlanticism. Definitely much before Plans and I'll Follow You Into the Dark and that big musical moment. Yeah. So this is, like, super early. They're kind of showing their, their hip indie cred with Death Cab in this. But, yeah. Death Cab is so integral to the OC as a whole. Mm-hmm. They're linked to it. Uh, some of their popularity is probably linked to it. And they have a lot more appearances in the future in this show. So, yeah, I had to go with Death Cab. But I think 
to your point, there's a lot more stuff that you'll hear soon that you immediately recognize. I think especially later in this season, going into season two, you hear music that you were actually listening to at the time. It became this place for popular indie rock music mm-hmm. rather than <laughs> rockers hi-fi or all these. There's a little bit more obscure music, I think, in the first season mm-hmm. that are tracks where you maybe might not be able to find the band's album. I didn't try, but definitely more of that to come. Yeah, uh, And I actually just, I looked this up real quick uh, for uh, there is a wiki page for a movie script ending. And it does says it was the first of three songs by the band to be included in the TV show The O.C. Uh, representatives. You want to see Fox... if I can try to guess the other two, Joe? Can we try to guess the other two? <laughs> oh, I don't think I don't think I can try. See, so I don't, I don't, I don't have access to, to it just now oh, to even okay. tell you. But uh, it says that when representatives of Fox contacted the band, they quote it. We were just blown away. Someone actually wanted to license one of our songs and they were going to pay us actual money. <laughs> um, so this is like you're right. This is. This this being used in a TV show or anything was like so new to to any of them. They're just like, wait, people want to pay us for our right. songs? This is crazy. Um, and now finally, Matt, first of all, I want you to promote all the stuff that you do because you've got so many different cool music projects going on at all times. But also because the OC was such a pop culture phenomenon that some straight white men just met up on Thursday nights and watched it and threw beer cans at the TV set. Uh, so <laughs> I we miss like that so much. <laughs> we like to promote uh, what pop culture phenomenon uh, have you been currently obsessed with? It doesn't have to be new. It could be from any time, as long as it was something that was an undeniable moment of pop culture uh, that, that you've just been thinking about or maybe revisiting or whatever. But start with the, the self-promotion first. Yeah, I'll do that first. Uh, so I make a lot of different music. I play in a band called Cassettes that's kind of, you know, on, I don't want to say hiatus. We're just not super active at the moment, but we have a record out called Wild Heart. You can stream everywhere. Working on new music now. Um, I also have a solo project called Team Goldie that's pop music, punk music, hip-hop music. It's a whole batch of different things. I have put out a couple singles at the end of 2022 and have a lot more new music coming soon. Going to be putting out a ton of new music this year. Uh, Music video, by the time this comes out, maybe just dropped. Uh, Maybe another new song just dropped. I don't know when this is coming out. There's a song that's going to be coming out on Valentine's Day as well. Lots of new music. So Team Goldie, um, Team Goldie PHL on all the socials, teamgoldie.com check that stuff out stream it send it to a friend pop culture that i am obsessed with right now i don't know that this was like a huge phenomenon but it was definitely something that was very popular and so much so that it has a reboot now that i've not dove into because i don't have any interest but i've been in the spirit of this show uh i've been re-watching quantum leap i loved watching (laughs) quantum leap I I probably watched a little bit of it actually live. My dad really loved it and would watch reruns and stuff with him. But I don't think I I know for sure I've not seen the entire series. So I tried to find it streaming somewhere. Turns out not streaming anywhere. But if you want someone who's got the full DVD set, I know one. (laughs) 
I know one too. <laughs> I, I I bought it. I went out and bought the whole the uh, they is do a that, box set of everything now. Is that the weird Miller Creek one where it's not even like the discs are in a case? They're just in individual <laughs> sleeves. Yes. So <laughs> when that showed up in the mail, I pulled them out, and my wife was making fun of me because I was like, "These are just sleeves. It's just shittily packaged. There's nothing in here." She's like, "You're complaining about a quantum leap." DVD box set. <laughs> I felt the same way though. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck is this? <laughs> right, but it, that is how I'm watching it, and that is, I think there were DVDs that existed before, but it may have been like a Wonder Years situation where they didn't have the music licensing mm-hmm. correct yeah. on all of them, which is a big part of of that show too. But this one, everything's straightened out. So yeah, I've been watching that. I love that show so much. There's a lot of episodes I remember, a lot that I don't, a lot of really interesting young appearances from 90s actors there's so many people there's one episode that has both patricia richardson from home improvement and chubby checker as himself (laughs) playing a much younger version of himself um but yes i've been watching quantum leap really love that show it's super fun and have no interest in the reboot it looks terrible yeah there are some amazing episodes of quantum leap too like in and not in like a a joking way like um i'm trying to remember the names of them but there's like one or two episodes that i think are incredibly well crafted episodes uh the the two-parter leap home i think is like absolutely a heartbreaking episode where he leaps into himself as a kid yeah and has the opportunity to change the fate of his family and has to like wrestle with that and then there's like the pseudo driving Miss Daisy one that I can't remember the name of that episode, but that episode is also yeah. powerful as hell. <laughs> like, there's a lot of really, there's a lot of silly episodes that are f- funny and go off the rails and are very dated. And there are a lot, like you said, that are really impactful that, you know, make you feel something. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, Joe, do you want to go next? Um, because I'm doing a rewatch right now, it's bringing up all these feelings. Uh, scandal. Like the okay. the the kind of buzz that that scandal was evoking at the time that it was coming out in terms of being appointment television, like really uh, kind of capitalizing on the fact that like it would stream the next day, uh, but at the same time also just like being a show that was completely campy that you know kind of like playing off of breaking bad in the sense that like you know characters get painted into a corner and we're trying to figure out how it all works out at the end so that's what i'm really enjoying it and there's there's things where it's just like there are episodes where i'm like i'm literally fast forwarding through like i don't need to see like the president and olivia pope like longingly look at each other and have you know slowly hold hands and make out like i'm just like okay let's get to let's get to the part where the assassins are coming let's get to the part where you know the political thrillery parts but um scandal because it was such a phenomenon and it did not end well. Like I didn't. I don't think the last season is really worth watching. Uh, as a completist, I probably will still have it on in the background. But um, it's what I'm kind of currently obsessed with. All right. Um, so when I was in high school, I was obsessed with the like. I love the '80s. I love the '90s. I love the '70s shows that VH1 was producing. And there was one episode that stuck out in my brain specifically. Uh, where they talked at length about the day after, which I had never seen, and then recently found out that someone had uploaded the whole movie onto YouTube. So I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna watch the day after." And um, I mean, the the actual like 
six or seven minutes where it is the nuclear fallout sequence is like chilling and well done and i totally get why that was like such a like big moment and and like actually affected the politics at that time like it was a talking point but the other hour and 50 something minutes of it is slow and boring and i do not recommend it but uh but yeah, you can you can watch the whole movie on YouTube, or you can just look up the six minutes that I'm talking about. They're really <laughs> selling us on it. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> I recommend the six minutes over the uh, the full movie. Um, but yeah, so the day after, I gave that a shot. That was like the most watched thing on television, I think, in 1984, if I if I'm not incorrect. But uh, yeah. Can't recommend it though, you but might, I did some watch. Some people it. might have to drink based on that fact. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? They, I, it's possible. <laughs> I, I don't. These these facts don't live in the brain. They're like a fish, like a fishing story that I've heard down the line and never bothered <laughs> to research. Uh, all right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the great theme song, which I don't think I've ever said is unofficially titled "Welcome Bitches." <laughs> oh yeah, I think it's just welcome bitch is what the Okay, welcome bitch. Yes, there's yeah, welcome bitch long and welcome the, uh, bitch short. Yeah, it's called welcome bitch. That's what I just labeled the file, so yeah. The well, that's what I'm officially calling it. There is the unofficial name of the White People Problems podcast. Yeah. Uh so thank you for that and Our we'll theme be back. music is welcome bitch. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, please and- please throw that tag at the end of every episode <laughs> as it's playing. <laughs> You're currently listening to Welcome, Bitch. <laughs> uh, and we will be back next week. This was The Escape, and next week it'll be The Rescue. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. 
all in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.